Here's the question. What would it take for you to leave everything? What would it take for you to leave your whole life behind? To leave it all, your home, your family, your livelihood. What would it take? By the end of Jesus' fishing trip in Luke 5 here on the Sea of Galilee, some of those fishermen with him, they would drop it all right then and there and follow Jesus. They left it all, their homes, their families, their livelihoods. Why? Were they being irresponsible? Had they lost their minds? No. They found their mission. They found their master who came on a mission for them. And now, they just had to share in their master's mission for others. After Jesus got rejected in his hometown, Nazareth, We remember he he heads to the town of Capernaum on Lake Gennesaret, also called the Sea of Galilee. There in Capernaum, he runs into some familiar faces that we know pretty well. Peter and his brother Andrew and some others like James and John. They had kind of been following Jesus on and off ever since he started his public ministry after his baptism. And by now, they've, they've probably already seen him turn water into wine in Cana. They've seen him do miracles in Capernaum, healing a bunch of people, driving out demons, and they even just saw that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law from a a severe fever, a severe fever, sorry. And now, now they're with him again, out on the edge of the lake, as a crowd presses in around Jesus to hear him speak. And by the end of this day, these fishermen... They're going to drop everything and follow Jesus nonstop from here on out as his full-time disciples all the way to the cross. This is where it starts. And Why would they do it? That's the big question today. What, what was the reason for them to drop it all right then and there and follow Jesus? Well, Jesus, he went out on the lake that day, not just to catch fish. He went out on the lake that day to call followers. And Jesus, first he had to get his followers ready to follow him. And so it's kind of convenient. He's got Peter's fishing boat right there. He gets in it so he can go and more easily speak to the huge crowd on the shore, project his voice out over the water. And then once he's done teaching, he's got Peter right where he wants him. He he says to Peter, let's go fishing put out into deep water, and let down the nets for a catch. Now, I don't know that much about fishing, but even just a little research on this makes it pretty clear that Jesus' fishing advice, it's pretty bad. Uh, First of all, putting your your nets down in the deep water, it's not like the fish are going to be just chilling right there in the middle of the lake in the, the open water. During the day, they're going to probably want to go down where it's cooler, maybe go in some of the, the weed beds where it's shallower, Plus, these fishermen, they'd been fishing the whole night and didn't catch anything. They, I think they knew what they were doing. They went to the good spots. They went during the night when they're more able to catch fish. Jesus' advice isn't, isn't the best for, for expert fishermen. 
But Jesus gives foolish-sounding fishing advice to an expert fisherman so that he can call on Peter to set aside what reason and experience would tell him to do and to just take Jesus at his word. Let down the nets for a catch. Peter lets Jesus know this is kind of ridiculous. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. In the end, Peter does take Jesus at his word, even though it's a little bit foolish. Peter's not disappointed. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. This wasn't just like a nice little catch of fish. Like, oh, hey, Jesus, you were right. This is actually a pretty good spot here. The translation we have, it says, they were astonished at the catch of fish. And really, that's, that's not a strong enough translation. It should be, they are seized with amazement. Seized by it. It overtakes them. These fishermen had seen a lot of things out on that lake probably. Caught a lot of fish. Their eyes, you can picture them just wide open at this. Apparently they've never seen a catch of fish like this. Their nets are breaking. Their boats are sinking. This is a lot of fish. It's clear, unmistakable, divine power going on here. At Jesus' words, Fish are just swarming into these nets, into their boats. And maybe they're even starting to get some, some shivers running down their spine as they see this. Who is this in the boat with us? Peter knew who it was. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Why did Peter have a reaction like that? Why would he say, Go away from me, Lord? Earlier, Peter called Jesus Master. Now, he recognizes Jesus as his Lord, as his God. And it hits Peter. Just how undeserving he is to have his Lord standing there in his boat with him. It hits Peter just how unworthy and how guilty of sin he is in comparison with his holy and perfect God standing right there. It hits Peter how undeserving he was to have Jesus unveil himself as God to such a poor, lowly fisherman. It's as if Peter's life is just flashing before his eyes. A life full of failures and weakness and doubts and pride and selfishness. Maybe some of the things that would flash before our eyes in the sight of a holy God. In light of who Jesus was, it made it even more clear just who Peter was. A poor, sinful man. Jesus' goodness highlighted Peter's sinfulness in comparison, in a stark contrast. And all Peter can say is, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You shouldn't be here with me. Jesus responds with a phrase 
that Peter's really going to get used to hearing Jesus say. Don't be afraid. Jesus speaks gospel comfort here to Peter. Jesus assures Peter that he can take Jesus at his word. Just like he took him at his word about the nets and the catch of fish, he can take Jesus at his word that he's not angry with Peter, that he wasn't standing there in his boat that day to punish him for his sin. Completely the opposite. Jesus essentially says to Peter, Peter, you are my mission. You're why I'm here. I came for you who feels the weight of your sin and your unworthiness before God. I came for you. Peter, you are my rescue mission. Now join me on my rescue mission for others. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And Peter just wanted Jesus to go away from him. He's feeling so unworthy. Jesus makes it clear he's not going anywhere. And if he does, he's going to take Peter with him. Jesus makes it clear Peter never again needs to say, go away from me, Lord. Peter gets to say, stay with me, Lord. Abide with me. Never leave me. Maybe it was the, the humble attitude of these fishermen that caused Jesus to pick them as the ones to come on his rescue mission with him. He didn't pick the Pharisees. He didn't pick the the guys in Jerusalem who who knew God's word better than anyone else. Because for all that they knew, they didn't know the most important thing. Something Peter knew very clearly. Peter knew. He needed Jesus. He knew where he stood with God apart from Jesus. The best people that Jesus could pick to come with him on his rescue mission were people who clearly knew they're also in need of rescue. So he chose these fishermen. Now maybe you're going to have some days like Peter when you remember just how much you are in need of rescue. Maybe some days like Peter when when you do realize how undeserving you are that, that Jesus would rescue you and bring you along on his rescue mission for others. Peter felt totally unworthy that his Lord is standing there in his boat with him. When we see what Jesus does for us, his suffering and death, we feel unworthy not to have him standing in our boat, but hanging on our cross where we rightly should have ended up. That's where Jesus goes for us. Jesus comes to save us. He rescues us. And then he also gives us blessings on top of that. He fills our nets, our boats, with such a great catch of blessings. It, it's just making us feel unworthy to have so much good from him. I mean, God is so good to me. Even though I so often fail to, to give him any favor in return, day after day I fall into sin, sometimes the same exact ones. Yet day after day, God unravels his love to me more and more. He gives me more and more blessings despite my repeated disobedience to his laws. 
This shouldn't be. I am an unworthy, sinful man. But God gives this all to us anyway. He, he rescues you. He rescues me on his mission for the world. And then some of those blessings he gives us on top of all that, it does make you feel a little unworthy to have them all. I, I have one blessing in particular that I am fully aware I don't deserve at all. The, the blessing God has given me that fills my boat to almost sinking is this. My whole extended family, on both sides of my, my family, they are all believers. I mean, as far as I can tell, every single one of my very large extended family all have faith in Jesus as their Savior. I mean, if, as long as he keeps us true in our faith to the end, I have the hope of seeing every single one of my family members again. I am fully aware of how little I deserve something this good. <laughs> that I would get to see all my family members again, be reunited with them in heaven, this is like the best thing you could ever pray to have happen. And God has decided to give that to me on top of all the forgiveness and love and eternal life he's personally provided to me. This is my Peter moment. Lord, you should not be doing all this for me. I am a sinful man. Jesus speaks from God's word. Don't be afraid. You are my rescue mission. If I want to give you these blessings on top of already saving you, then I'm going to do that too. I came for you who feels your unworthiness and your sin at the many good things I've given. I came to forgive you to take away that feeling of unworthiness in God's eyes. And now, I'm going to take you with me on my mission to rescue others so that other families can also say, They get to look forward to a reunion in heaven. Get to join Jesus on his mission. And this is what those, those fishermen end up doing at the end of the story, right? They pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Think about what they were leaving behind. They, they had a pretty good life there on the shores of Galilee, Sometimes we think, oh, fishermen, that's like the lowest of the low. Actually not. Um, they probably were better off than a lot of peasants. Not wealthy, but they had a good, steady job, comfortable life. They left it all behind. They had families. And Peter had a mother-in-law. I'm guessing he was married. And, and James and John, they leave their father Zebedee there in the boat. And then... We see they even just leave behind this huge catch of fish they just brought in. That could have got them a lot of money at the market. Leave it all behind. Why? They'd been following Jesus on and off for a while. Now they'd seen his other miracles. Why now? Why this miracle did they decide it's time to go full time as a disciple with Jesus? This miracle assured the fishermen that what they had just seen happen with the great catch of fish taking Jesus at his word, they were going to see that same power and success as they brought Jesus' words of salvation to others. This countless 
catch of fish that they just witnessed was a, a foreshadowing of an even greater gathering in of believers into God's kingdom of heaven. Maybe they didn't fully realize what it meant yet, but they're starting to get it when Jesus says, now you will fish for people. This meant they're going out to win souls for Jesus and, and the, the eternal life that he offers. These fishermen, they just had to go with Jesus and unveil for others what he just unveiled to them. That God is on a rescue mission for the world. They wanted to be part of that. They drop everything so they can go out and cast the gospel nets to bring in many more to God's kingdom. What a privilege. They got to share in their master's mission so intimately, so close to him. And they didn't have to worry about whether or not they were the wrong people for the job. Jesus chose them. What Jesus has done for us fuels our mission. And we just have to share Jesus and his undeserved love that he's given us. We have to share that with others. We can't keep it to ourselves. It's too good. Like those fishermen, we've found our mission because Jesus has already found and rescued us. We get to share our master's mission. That's, that's an awesome privilege. And it brings us back to the opening question we were looking at. What would it take for you to leave everything behind? What would it take for you to give it all up and join Jesus on his rescue mission for others? Maybe not all of you are just inconceivably blessed with a whole extended family of believers. What would it take for you to go and make sure that you have a happy reunion in heaven with your loved ones? What would you be willing to give up in order to go and share this gospel message with others who are living in darkness and fear, who don't have it? What would you give up? What would it take? I'm not going to answer that question for you. You can think about it on your own. As you think about it, I just want to leave you with one story about a real person who did give up everything for the sake of joining God on his rescue mission. In my, my seminary class that I graduated with, uh, there was one full-fledged doctor, like medical doctor, that graduated with us. His name is Dr. Jordan Patrick. He goes by Dr. Jordan. So Dr. Jordan, he gave up everything so that he could take up the calling of full-time gospel ministry. But he didn't just give up his job being a doctor. He gave up way more than that. See, Dr. Jordan is from Pakistan. He and his wife, they, they ran a very successful clinic there in that country. I'm sure they had everything they needed, a comfortable life. He was a doctor. You can't get much higher up than that. And Dr. Jordan, though, he wasn't happy with just, just healing people's bodies. He, he needed to do more. He wanted to heal people's souls. And so he, he had some Christian materials made available in his clinic for anyone who came in. 
whether they were his patient or not, they would get to read something. He had Bibles and other Christian resources translated into their native language. And people came into his clinic. Most of them got to hear about Jesus for the first time and discovered a God of love that they didn't ever knew existed. Now, of course, having those types of materials in his clinic is completely illegal in a Muslim country like Pakistan. And he was running a huge risk by doing this. And he didn't really try to hide it either. He didn't care. And he got caught. And he faced, him and his family, faced very serious death threats for doing this. And he even, tears running down his face, I've heard him tell stories of some of the people he knows and loves that he lost when all this happened. And eventually, our other missionaries had to pull him out of the country. They, they said, it's too dangerous. He left everything. He lost everything for the sake of joining Jesus on this rescue mission. But he's the happiest man I've ever met. He's just pumped for life because he knows he gets to join Jesus on his rescue mission for others. That's the best thing he could ever do with his life. Better than being a doctor. He's in the U.S. now. He's doing the same kind of work that he did in Pakistan with refugees from his country and other countries like his. What would it take for you to leave everything behind? It would take a savior who's left everything behind on his rescue mission for you. Dr. Jordan realized that. Some fishermen on the Sea of Galilee realized that. God grant that we will too. Amen.